0: Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip talks about the bond market doesn't lie, part two, debt management versus wealth management, a time-tested asset allocation strategy, and the best YouTube video he's ever watched
1: Here's Phillip. All right, it is July nineteenth, twenty twenty-one. Monday Night Raw comes to Dallas, Texas for you WWE fans. The Reason I know is my kids uh, begged us to uh, take them to Raw, and so we will be doing that. It'll, it will be. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm more, I'm more excited to see their face, and um, the time they have there. So. Uh, yeah, it'll be a it'll be a fun time. Let's get hope hope, hope you had a good weekend. Um, let's get into the episode, and and, and where I want to start is a, I cannot remember which episode I talked about this on, but it was fairly recent, like within the last two to three weeks. But I talked about the bond market never lies, uh, so you know. when you look at different asset classes, you get different clues about what's going on in the economy and different trends. And and, uh, different trends say different things. But one of the best leading indicators of what's happening economically are interest rates, even though they're, you know, manipulated uh, by the Fed. They they give you a lot of information because the over, you know, market participants as a whole, uh, meaning all the insurance companies, all the bond managers like they're they're way bigger uh than the fed and uh and, and they're more times not going to signal um they're going to signal uh, uh information um if you want to if you want to get i, I don't want to go too so technical on that but they but they signal information um and so bond bond yields have been trending down for a long time like you know i mean in in the big picture trend they've been trending down since like the 80s but in the short term, like the last decade, trend has been uh, lower yields, which what, what that tells you is global growth is slowing. That's, that's what it basically says. And so it was so it was going up recently with folks thinking that with the reopening trade, thinking that inflation was coming back strong. Um, but the yields have been falling you know, recently. And what that says is, all right. Uh, even, and it happened at a time where folks were still worried and nervous about, um you know inflation and and, and inflation again i explained in a previous episode between inflation from growth and inflation from debasement which is the government printing money so it's happening you know uh the the inflation that people were talking about for the reopening trade was inflation from 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 too much growth everything opening back up but at the same time buying yields were going down what that told you was yeah like that's that's, that's not a problem. Right? Don't, don't misunderstand me. Like, There is, uh, there is inflation, but that's coming more from the money printing. You know, Not necessarily from a crazy amount of long-term sustained uh, economic growth, which if you're looking at the 10-year treasury rate, which, which I'm talking about bond interest rates, I'm talking about the 10-year treasury rate in this example, um, you know, it's going to signal the longer-term interest rate trend. And right now it's saying the longer-term trend is um, slower growth. So that gives you insight. And so when you know, when you have an idea of what the bond market's saying, which is more likely right than not, then you're like, all right, cool. How do I invest accordingly? Um, and and then you can put together your portfolio, which I which I told you the portfolio that uh, I like for for lower interest rates, which are um, you know tech stocks, growth stocks specifically, Bitcoin. And people people be like, well, why do you want that in a, if 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 rates are low? Well, because when growth is slow. Um, You want to own things that are growing. Right. And then in the Bitcoin piece is you understand, Okay, when when rates get too low, asset prices in the short term fall, government steps in, prints more money to prop it up. That puts more money in the system. That new money goes into Bitcoin and other inflation assets because the government's debasing the currency to pick up economic growth. Right. It's just it's a cycle. So that's that's a thought process. Next topic I want to talk about. I was talking I was talking on the phone with a, a friend, Michelle Williams, local business leader uh, here in DFW. And she coined the phrase uh, debt management versus wealth management. And I thought that was a dope concept, right? Because what we were talking about was, you know, you know, we both interact with wealthy people and, you know, they're not overly concerned with like only, you know, like with, oh, I have to, you know, manage my debt and pay my debt off and all kind of stuff. They're, they're worried about, you know, wealth management. How do I use my credit and all other resources to build, to build my wealth? And it's a different mindset. So, and I want to preface it with some people should be focusing on debt management, right? If you like heavily indebted, you don't have strong income, right? A lot of times people who are heavily indebted, um, you know, they either mismanage their money. They're not doing the basics. Or they're just not making enough income. You know, this particular topic we're talking about people that make good income that are overly focused on, um, you know, debt management. It's time to level up the mindset and think about all right, how do I how do I build wealth, which is a whole different concept. So I love I love that idea. Great conversation. Debt management versus wealth management. I might even make that a whole episode one day. But I wanted to bring it out there because there's a there's a point in everybody's financial life. Where they get to the next level, right? They're at the next level. And so you can't operate with the same mindset, same paradigm that you were you know, operating in when you were in a different tax bracket or different economic situation. Got to level up. Next topic, integrated Bitcoin mining businesses. So I did an episode on Bitcoin miners also, maybe about a month ago, maybe less than a month ago. And I talked about... Um, you know how I thought the f- the future of Bitcoin mining was going to be uh, energy companies and Bitcoin mining in one operation, um, and it, you know, and there were already companies at the time um, that I'm sure were out there doing it. But I start, I started listening to a podcast episode of um, uh, somebody talking about more and more companies doing it because it just it just makes sense because if you you know if you're a Bitcoin miner, you're most important cost is energy cost. And so, so you think if you reverse it, if you say, okay, if I, if I own the, 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 the entity that's, you know, creating the energy, I make the upfront investment on doing that, right. A, I can build a lot of capacity that gives me a leg up on competition because, um, you know, for example, you get, you get lots of blackouts in areas, um, when they're when they're doing energy, they have to build the facility with a certain um, amount of capacity, but they can't overbuild because they won't make their investment back. But, the, but if they under if they underbuild, you're not going to have enough capacity for you know extreme weather. And so the, the benefit of integrating energy and in Bitcoin mining is it's easy to turn the Bitcoin mining machines off when. Uh, when the demand is high, like we're in the extreme weather periods of time and you need lots of energy. So you could build the capacity for, quote unquote, black swan energy events, extreme energy events. But when those events are not happening, you could use the Bitcoin miners to suck up all the excess capacity and energy. Um, and, and this is a problem that I think Bitcoin also helps solve for not energy producers, right? You, you're going to find... I mean, smart energy producers are going to like run Bitcoin mining operations too. But even cities who are thinking about, um, you know, how do we like my area of blacks out a lot in the summertime, you know, how do we increase the energy experience of our of our um, uh, residents? It's go find some Bitcoin miners, right, and do a deal with them, right? That you can say, hey, you know, help us pay for this upfront, you know, um, or however you work the deal out, but it'll allow them to build bigger capacity for the area. That the Bitcoin miners suck up the capacity and use the capacity and pay uh, the energy company for the excess capacity when it's not being used. But in extreme times, the Bitcoin miners can shut off their rigs and they can go to the resonance. It is it is a simple solution for a problem that is going to, I believe, get worse and worse until they figure out a way to, to do it. So um, I know I went super energy nerd on there, but that you know, if, if you don't understand how the energy grid works, I encourage you to uh read it. Because if you're, if you, uh you know, go back to my different places where I say that you know the big paradigm shifts, uh in, in 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 the macro opportunities, you know, money, energy are two of the biggest ones, and Bitcoin miners is the intersection of both money and energy. And I think it's a crazy amount of money to be made by owning Bitcoin miners over the next decade. In my in my humble opinion. Next topic. So had a conversation with a friend of mine about um, this old um, Jewish principle that I refer back to over and over again. And I, and I always forget where I get it from. Was it from the Bible uh, or from the Torah? It was from like an old script, manuscript, like that predates that. And, it, and the basic concept is, you know, have a third of your money in real estate, a third of your money in... Uh, reserves and a third of your money in in business. And so, my buddy and I were talking about it, and I wanted and I was giving them context on what they meant back in the day when when they say reserves, I, a lot of people held reserves in gold and silver, right? you would you might put your gold and silver in the bank and use the notes to trade because it was easier to trade, but you could always redeem uh, your gold out, you know you know uh, for notes whenever you wanted to. And then when we talked about business, right, they didn't have joint stock companies back then. But fast forward, you can, you can look at that as stock, stock ownership in a company, as ownership in a company. And so then you got to understand which, which amount of money is for, for, for what problem. So for example, the reserves were for dry powder, right? You, you want to always keep dry powder because opportunities might come in the future that you may want to invest in. Uh, business, money and business in general, was to grow your wealth, right? Aggressively grow your wealth. Because uh, business ventures cannot work out. Or you can give your money to a, a business and they could go under. Um, real estate was more for, pres- it was and is still for preserving wealth. So, you know, you have some money, you wanna generate income, right? You know, real estate's a great way to plop that money down and, and generate some income. There, you know, now I'm oversimplifying you know these concepts, but in general, those were the different buckets were for, you know, preserving wealth, generating income for the real estate, dry powder was the reserves and growing and building wealth risk capital was 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 the business. Um, and that's how I think about my, you know, my finance, my balance sheet, my financial plan is super simple. And I love using simple stuff from thousands of years ago that OGs use because it's time tested and if it makes sense then and it makes sense today. It's probably going to make sense a 100 years from now. So that is, that's a, uh, that's that concept. Third, third, and third. Last thing, I really want everybody to go watch this video on YouTube. Uh, it's called The Ultimate Guide to Inflation. Uh, the The YouTube channel is YoungFi, Y-U-N-G-F-I. But it's maybe like a, it's less than a 20 minute video um, on inflation. And you may have to watch it a couple of times, but it's super simple because it's it's in a cartoon format, but if you're gonna be a good investor moving forward, you have to understand all the nuances about inflation. And a lot of people think they understand inflation because they're like, yeah, cost of goods going up, check. Nah, it's more complex than that. So watch this video. Um, don't feel bad if you have to watch it twice or three times, but watch it, understand it. It's one of the most important things you're gonna to need to know when understanding investments. Uh, I hope this helps somebody. Um, Have any questions, hit me up on Twitter, ask underscore Philip. Enjoy your day until tomorrow.
0: If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's stonehillwealthmanagement.com forward slash talk.